Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In our Sunday morning Bible study recently, we've been reading through Exodus. The Israelites were living in Egypt. At one time, they had been received graciously. They had been given the best land. The Egyptians were appreciative because uh, Joseph had brought about the salvation of many people from starvation. And so Pharaoh had given the Israelites the very best land to live in and welcomed them there. But many years later, generations later, Joseph was not known any longer, and the Israelites were treated poorly. They were treated as slaves, and they cried out to God, and God heard their prayers. And he called Moses to come and lead them out of Egypt. Many, many powerful signs were given by God as he revealed total and utter superiority over the false gods of Egypt. The Israelites saw miracle after miracle. And so when they were enjoined to obey my voice and keep my covenant... They all responded, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So how did that go? This was all before the golden calf incident. And of course, the golden calf was not the end of Israel's sin. Indeed, uh, this is really just a microcosm of Israel. You could even compare the people of Israel to a roller coaster. Up and down, up and down, following God's law. All this we will do and not following his law. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Yet there was apostasy. There was murder. There was adultery. There was worship of false gods. There was lying, there was cheating, there was stealing. The poor were not cared for, widows were not cared for. I mean, we are also acquainted with this sin. This is not unique to Israel. We don't love God as we ought. We don't love our neighbors as we ought. Sometimes we hate our neighbors. So we ought to be able to relate. I'm not just throwing Israel under the bus, the the people of Israel. This is us too, this roller coaster. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do if only we could. You know, I mentioned the other uh, week in Sunday school, I think it was, we were talking about this. When we we take vows, you know, whether you're being installed as a Sunday school teacher or ordained or whatever, we take vows and we say, with the help of God, I will. Because we have to readily confess that all this we, we can't do. You know, all that the Lord has commanded, we can't do. Beset by our sinful nature, we're not able to keep the law perfectly, even, even if we were to try our very hardest, which if we're honest with ourselves, we don't. So what is the answer to this dilemma? Despair? Try harder, do more, be better. 
Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the old covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. This word of God spoken by the prophet Jeremiah is good news indeed, that there is a new covenant coming because they were not able to keep the old covenant. By this word of God that Jeremiah the prophet speaks, he points to a better covenant. This is a covenant that will actually be kept. Jeremiah also says, and this is repeated in the epistle lesson we read from Hebrews. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Mm. So how can this covenant be kept? Have we as believers received a special character that we are now able to abstain from sin? Some people would say that. Are we able to keep the law perfectly? I mean, I'm surprised how often I hear people say, yeah, I know I need to get back into church, but I got to do some things first. I got to clean up myself and then I'll be back. (laughs) Stop, stop, stop. I just tell them, no, you don't need to clean up yourself. Just come into church. This is where sinners come to get clean. I'm all for people cleaning up their act. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that's not a predecessor to coming to church. So we don't have a special character that enables us to abstain from sin. And we're not able to keep the law perfectly. Or are we? Can you keep the law perfectly? If anyone says yes to that, you really need to see me after service. Okay? And we can talk about this in more detail. Notice, though, that the new covenant features a forgotten clause. That's the clause in which your sins, although they are there, your sins are there, but they are forgotten. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. It doesn't say that you will no longer sin. It says that he will no longer remember them. By instituting the Lord's Supper, Christ established the new covenant. This covenant requires the atoning sacrifice of the lamb that is perfect. Christ himself is that lamb. As John the baptizer said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians also, Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed. And the Apostle John, as we have read through the uh, epistle of 1 John, the fourth chapter, during this time of Lent, it was John in in 1 John that says, He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Thus, in the upper room, Jesus said to his disciples, 
I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus will be betrayed and he will suffer and he will die. But before that happens, he will institute the Lord's Supper. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus' death was necessary in order to give this new covenant. Hebrews 9 says, where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death. Jesus gives us his very body and his very blood. That's what it means when Jesus said, this is my body. So we confess that Christ is body, bodily present in the sacrament that his true body and his true blood are there and are received by the person who receives them in, with, and under the bread and the wine. But how can this be true body and true blood? That just, logically, it just doesn't make sense, does it? Well, you know, Jesus did speak the world into existence. Like everything around you that you see was spoken into existence. So, yeah, That's how powerful his word is. So is it a leap to say this is the very body and blood of Jesus Christ? Not at all. Not at all. Because his word is truth, and that's the word he speaks. That word that Jesus speaks is the same word that echoes throughout time and space every time we celebrate the Last Supper, uh, the the Lord's Supper. The other thing is, don't get hung up on this phrase, do this in remembrance of me, as though it's only a remembrance. It's merely a remembrance. He says this is a remembrance. He says, do this. What is the this that we are to do? It is to celebrate the Lord's Supper in all that it has been, uh, that it is for us, which is, his body and his blood. So the do this is eat his body, drink his blood, receive his forgiveness. Jesus says, this is my blood shed for you. We cannot leave off those words for you. This is an aside, but it is really troubling to me that there are some churches where the the blood, the, the wine is not offered And this was a major sticking point for the reformers. You know, we cannot receive the sacrament in just the wafer. Oh, but since it's Jesus' body, his body also contains blood. This is like the reasoning. No, no. He said, take, eat. So we take, eat. He said, take, drink. So we take and drink. We we follow him. We, We follow him at his word as he has instituted this. And we use wine. And we use unleavened bread. I mean, 
There are things that we do that matter because this is how it has been instituted. Anyway, I'm getting off subject. It's the eating of his very body and drinking of his very blood. And that blood is poured out for you. That is the new covenant. I have a wonderful quote that I want to read to you from, a short one from Arthur Just, who's a a theologian. He's a dean and a professor at Concordia Seminary in Fort Wayne. And he wrote the um, Concordia commentary on Luke's gospel. He says, to accept the cup and drink it is to accept Jesus' suffering and death as the atoning sacrifice for one's sins. In this sacrament, we remember Jesus' suffering and death. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six: As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we are indeed remembering Christ in his bitter suffering and death for our sins. But what's more than our remembering is that God remembers also. He remembers Christ for you. Your sins, he does not remember. Think about that. This is God. This is God, the omnipotent creator of all things, all-powerful, all-knowing, you know, people will say, well, if God can do anything, then can he make a rock that he can't move? As though he can trivialize God that way. And, I, and I'm not going in that direction, but think about that. He has forgotten your sin. He says, I will remember it no more. It is put aside as far as the east is from the west. Your sin is put aside from you. So yes, we remember Christ, but more importantly, God remembers you. Forgets your sin, but Christ's righteousness, which you have received by faith, that is what he remembers. And that's what he sees when he looks at you, is Christ's perfect righteousness that you receive by faith. You, my beloved, are beneficiaries beneficiaries of a last will and testament. Oh, it it far exceeds any amount of fortune or wealth that you could inherit from the richest person in the world. The last will and testament has been read, and what you have received outweighs all the wealth of the earth. It's the forgiveness of your sins. It's the inheritance of eternal life. It's an inheritance which is inheritance which is secured not by your works, but by Christ's shed blood for you. This inheritance is yours in Christ. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.